This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by AgentYouTube.com. Would you like more leads that find you instead of you finding them? Let the YouTube agents show you how. The YouTube agents started making videos with no sphere of influence. This year, they're on pace to close more than 100 sales all from leads generated on YouTube. They put a step-by-step -step video program to show you exactly what to do and what not to do to become a YouTube real estate superstar. Visit agentyoutube.com to learn more and sign up today. That's agentyoutube.com. And now, onto the show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Rachel Scheid. Before we get to Rachel, a couple of quick announcements. Number one, please follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. We post links to every one of our episodes and we even broadcast the video recordings live in real time. So you don't have to wait a few weeks for us to actually produce the audio episodes. You can watch it right there on Facebook. So once again, that's facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And also we just rebuilt our website from the ground up. It's keeping it real pod.com. And of course we have every single episode we've ever uh, recorded and produced there, and we now have our different category episodes uh, or shows rather now segmented. So you can actually, for example, if you like the Monday Market Minute um, with Carrie McCormick, you could go listen to every single one of those in order just by scrolling to the bottom of the homepage. You'll see all the different uh, different shows that we have, and now it's organized and easier to get to the shows you want. So anyway, again, check out our website. Let us know what you think. I, I think it's pretty cool, but you'll have to let us know what you think. It's keeping it real pod.com. And other than that, thank you for continuing to support our show. Thank you for continuing to listen. And thank you as always for telling a friend about our podcast. And now on to our interview with Rachel Scheid. Today on the show, we have Rachel Scheid from Coldwell Banker in Chicago in their West Loop office. Now, as branch manager of Coldwell Banker's West Loop in Chicago, uh, Rachel provides unmatched marketing support, meaningful coaching, and personalized attention. Her main focus is to bring agents to the next level, helping them grow their business and enhance their skill set. Active within the broader real estate community, uh, Rachel dedicates time to the Chicago Association of Realtors as a sitting member of both their foundation and their political action committee, uh, engaging agents in ongoing legislation, education, and networking. We should also mention that Rachel is a National Association uh, of Realtors uh, award-winning 30 under 30 recipient. Um, please, uh, oh, oh, please follow Rachel uh, on Instagram. Uh, and Facebook. You can just search for her on, on Facebook. Um, but on Instagram, it's uh, Rachel Scheid, which is again, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-C-H-E-I-D. Uh, Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Well, thank, thank you for, for coming on. And, and I, I'm really excited to chat with you because you do exactly, you're like the perfect guest for uh, our show because you spend 100% of your time uh, talking to agents, coaching, training. You're also super involved with many different um, uh, you know, committees. You're involved at the local level, the state level, um, hopefully one day the national level. You're a leader. Um, but more importantly, you know, you, you've seen agents come and go. Uh, Coldwell Banker has a huge presence here in the Chicagoland area, thousands of agents. Um, so you have a good sense of, of what's working these days and, and what isn't. Um, but I would love to go all the way back to the beginning because I know you started very early uh, mm -hmm. in your career in real estate. And do you mind sharing sort of how you got into real estate? Sure. So I was actually 21 at the time. And I was working for a souvenir photography company. You know, those people at Navy Pier who asked to take your picture and sell it sure. to you later. <laughs> that was me um, in college. And I, I relocated to Philadelphia for that company. And one of my best friend's mothers is a top producer out of the North Shore markets. And she mm. was looking for someone to come be her assistant who would get licensed. Uh, she knew I wanted to come back to Chicago. So I was her first call. So without knowing really anything about real estate, I packed my bags, moved back to Chicago, and I was her licensed assistant for two years um, in the North Shore market. And then I was recruited by a team, um, which I joined and was sort of um, kind of their buyer's agent, but more their city agent while they handled the North Shore and those verbs up there. I was on the team for three years, then I went solo uh, for a year, doubled my business my first year off the team, which was amazing. Wow, that's um, incredible. Yeah, and not an easy feat, but I think you're just capable of so much more than you think you are most of the time. Um, and the company I was at at the time asked me to become an assistant managing broker. And then Cobble Banker uh, recruited me to the position I'm in now as managing broker of the West Loop in September of last year. So sort of the origin story. <laughs> well, congratulations. And Coldwell Banker is obviously one of the biggest real estate um, companies in the country, maybe the biggest. But to, uh, to appoint somebody as, as young as yourself um, to the managing broker and, and sort of branch manager position is a, is a huge feather in your cap. It, it means, of course, they have tremendous trust uh, and, and uh, they're excited to to see, you know, where you take the business. But traditionally, that is not... Uh, often filled, those positions aren't often filled by people as young as yourself. So that's a, a, a huge um, indicator uh, of where you're at in your career and what you're able to offer brokers. And, and I think my, my first question actually is, is, or my next question has to do with teams because you started out uh, as an assistant, then you joined a team. And I, I was curious on, on your thought, and obviously there's lots okay. of ways Anyone can enter this business. You can be a solo practitioner. You can be an assistant to somebody. You could be a more um, you know, um, sort of fully formed team member, uh, or there's lots of ways. Um, did you, do you think that because once you went on, uh, on your own, you were able to double production, but was that time spent as an assistant, um, or, or as a, you know, as a team member, how helpful was that for you? So that when you went on your own, you were able just to go, okay, now I can hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. I actually coach agents on this uh, a lot because, you know, you mentioned Cole Banker is large. So we get a lot of new to the business. We have sure. a lot of, you know, 5 million to 8 million. How do I get my business to the next level? And we have a lot of top producers. And at every stage, there's that question, right? When you're new to the business, should I get a team so I can get leads and I can learn things? 
when you're middle of the business, you're like, if I added a buyer's agent, could I get a couple million more in volume? And then when you're a top producer, the question becomes, what can I take off my plate that will open this glass ceiling even more for me? Um, and I have a couple different theories, but my biggest thing for newer agents where teams are concerned is teams are great for brand new to the business or under three years. If you don't have that mentorship and that coaching with your managing broker in the company, right? And every company has different platforms. So it's kind of like picking a university. You got to pick where you feel like you can fit in and grow. Um, and there are a lot of companies that have competing managing brokers or uh, maybe they're not full time, whatever it might be. So a team is great in that sense. If you're not getting that mentorship and coaching um, and frankly, education, because you need to know how to fill out a contract before you write one the first time please learn that. <laughs> um, and then for the agents that are that five to 8 million range, I, you know, I saw a lot of this a couple years ago and I'm sure you did too. So after 2008, when things started picking back up in like 13, 14, it was so easy to be a realtor. And so what we saw was a lot of newer brokers getting to the five, the 8 million mark really quickly. And they thought to themselves, well, I've got to add team so that I can grow even more. Um, but now look where we're at, right? We're in like a little bit more of a dip. And now those people are responsible for the uh, production of other people. And I always think you're really capable of so much more if you have the right efficiency and the right organization. So I like teams or partnerships as you get higher in that volume. And it's the thought process of if I didn't have to run and do these 12 showings this weekend, how many listing appointments could I get? that right. then also help my team members because those are open house opportunities for them to pick up more buyers, right? It gets my name out there on the signs, which then increases um, market share for me and my team. So that's kind of what my thought is. If you don't have that mentorship and coaching, then I think it's a great idea. But if you have it, I think push and see what you can do on your own because you can make a lot more money when you're a solo agent. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You said something that I think is important. I want to circle back to. So um, Rachel and I are similar in one, in, in one area. I do not train or coach. And that's really her main specialty. And it is an awesome specialty to have. I, I don't have that specialty. I, I do spend all my time recruiting. However, um, I get this question a lot. And I'm sure Rachel does as well. So for anyone out there, who's, who's um, listening, this, this is just a good thing to know, which has to do with um, whether your your support team, your trainers, your managing broker, you know, the management people at the company, your, your, the firm you're at, are they also out there producing? Um, in most cases, in, in my experience, I've been doing this 10 years, those firms, they do, they are producing, not in every case. Rachel is one of those rare exceptions. And I, I honor her for that because this question comes up. I talk to agents all day long that are thinking of joining our firm. Rachel does the same thing. And that is a common question is, hey, if I need help, are you going to be out there doing your own production? You know, and I'm sure, look, if, mm -hmm. if my best friend needed me to help them buy or sell a home, I would probably help them, but that's about it. And, and Rachel is absolutely, she is a non-competing broker. And I, I do want to honor you for that. Most firms do not put that into place. And I think that gives your agents a tremendous uh, advantage working with you versus maybe other firms. And it's no fault of the firm, but again, right. just naturally speaking, if those support team members, if those trainers or managing brokers are also out there doing their own production, it'll just naturally limit their time to support agents. So I really want to honor you for that because that to me, I, I really can appreciate that, especially for new brokers, like you were just saying. 
Mm -hmm. It creates a nice opportunity. I mean, frankly, I don't have the time to be in an inspection on a Tuesday for three hours. I just don't have that time. But it allows me to uh, accompany agents on listing presentations, let's say. When you're a newer agent, that's probably like the most palm sweaty yeah. moment of your career sure. is your first couple listing presentations. And so because I'm non-competing, you don't have to co-list with me. And I can go with you to that appointment to sort of be your backup. Of course, now it's all virtual um, to kind of give you that that confidence that you need and be able to articulate things. And it also makes our, the sellers and buyers, the clients of my agents feel comfortable using newer brokers when they know they have access sure. to me all the time, right? I'm there trying to help them grow their business and cultivate in that way. Yeah, it's really important and it is incredibly unique. So for those agents, I'm just going to make a pitch for Rachel right now. Um, <laughs> Even though I'd love it if you joined our company, but the reality of it is, is that Rachel is an amazing option because not only is she have experience producing and producing for not just herself as, as a top producer, but also for top producing teams, she has this previous experience um, of, of being out there and doing it. And now she's able to take all of that wisdom and experience and focus 100% of her energy uh, helping agents do the same. So um, that is, I've been doing this, uh, this particular podcast for four years. I think you're the first person or maybe the second person out of 160 some that, that is able to do that. And so I just wanted to say how, how unique that is and, and how special that is, especially for any agent that's like, you know, I don't feel 100% comfortable going on a listing appointment or, you know, meeting a buyer at a, well, now we're not meeting them in person, but you know, <laughs> even having a buyer consultation on Zoom or, or, or however people are doing it these days. It, actually, let, let's talk about that. So, you know, you, you run an office, you, you, you talk with agents, you coach them and train them. What are you telling your agents to do these days when now we're still, at least in, we're here in Illinois, of course, uh, our listeners are, are from all over and different states have different rules. Um, some are considered real estate essential and some don't. But, you know, what are you telling our, your, your agents here to, to do to stay busy and keep that production going? I think that's sort of the hot question right now, right? And I love hearing all the answers to it. And I, I do talk to a lot of agents every day. I coach probably at least two to three agents a day on Zoom now. The biggest thing I would say is do not self-furlough yourself. Do not go dark. What we saw in 2008, 2009, and I wasn't even in the business uh, in 2008, 2009, but we saw a lot of newer agents, a lot of agents that were maybe in the five, eight million uh, producing range skyrocket their businesses because a lot of agents are slowing down right now. A lot of them, whether it's a choice like, hey, I'm just going to sit this one out, hang out with my family in the country, or whether it's a necessity, my spouse or significant other has a more traditional nine to five job. So I've got to be Mr. or Mrs. Mom all day long and the teacher and everything else. They're sitting it back and they're taking a back seat to this. And so what we're going to see on the other side of this is a lot of market share up for grabs. So I'm coaching a lot of my agents on farming. I believe wholeheartedly in farming, but I look at it holistically. You've got to be in people's mailboxes. You've got to be on their social media in the form of ads, and you need to be present in the community. Now, it's a little difficult to be present right this second, but if you can do those two things now, then when we're on the other side of it, those farm areas are where you look for open house opportunities within your company, right? So that way, it's really a holistic approach. And my first listing was from a postcard someone saved for four months. 
And I don't know wow. about you these days, but I am reading every single piece of mail that comes to me these days because yeah. there's nothing else to do. <laughs> I'm reading my itemized T-Mobile bill every month. <laughs> what else is there to do? So I, I'm encouraging that. I'm encouraging care calls, right? So prospecting used to be, hey, this is Rachel. Do you know someone looking to buy, sell, or invest? Rates are super low or whatever it might be. Now it's, Hey, this is Rachel. I saw on Facebook that you're having to be a teacher to your 12 year old. How is that going? I can't yes. even imagine that. I think that's, I think that's amazing. And you know what? I know that you bought with me about five years ago and I've heard from some of my other clients, some questions about where their value might be right now. And so I just wanted to check with you and see if you had any questions about that. I know it's crazy times right now. So I just wanted to check in and now you're, you're like softly opening that real estate door but everybody wants to talk about real estate because everyone has to live somewhere. Do, do you, I can't imagine what percentage of people are climbing the walls inside their place, feeling <laughs> trapped, feeling like it's just not enough space because we, of course none of us predicted, uh, the world didn't predict that anything like this could happen. And so now all of a sudden the square footage we have and the layout of our place is probably more important than ever since we're all stuck at home. And I, I know I am feeling that pinch of like, I need a bigger place. And uh, I, I'm in the business, so maybe I'm more inclined to think that way, but I'm really a marketing guy, not really in the business. So I'm a good example. And I imagine there's a huge percentage of people that might be reevaluating their physical space right now. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and they're probably searching on Zillow and, and Redfin and other websites, um, but they should be hearing from you. And you don't even necessarily have to ask them. You just have to reach out and say, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? How are you handling being at home? How's work? You know, these care calls, uh, they know what you do, especially if it's somebody in your sphere of influence or a previous client. So I think just the fact of the, the art of reaching out is going to net you so much good information about your contacts that you're going to know what to do when everything's back to normal, right? Well, and I think that's the people remember who's top of mind, right? So my yeah. mantra has always been when people can remember me for things other than real estate, then they're always going to remember me for real estate. So for example, it, I do, like you mentioned, I'm part of a lot of uh, committees and boards, but I do a ton of volunteering. If you look at my social media, I'm constantly like supporting local businesses and things like that. And I've actually had so many clients over the last years text me and say, Hey, I've got my 10 year old and we're looking to volunteer somewhere. Can you recommend something? So I become the resource for things, not just real estate, which means I'll always be the resource for real estate. And yeah. I think for whether you're new or you're an experienced agent, these care calls absolutely have to happen and they can open the door to other things, right? You listen for those pain points like, oh, it's great. It just really sucks. Like we're out of X, Y, Z, or I really need a beer right now. Or my gosh, my wine uh, has been, <laughs> my wine has run out that now becomes a pop by opportunity, you know, Huge. follow CDC guidelines, wear your mask, sanitize it for your clients. But now you can drive and drop off a bottle of wine for that client or some toilet paper if they're out of it or a coloring book for their kids to help keep them busy. You know, I think that those little touches will first and foremost, make your client feel so supported, right? Like, wow, they, they, they yeah. kind of get it. They get that I'm needing yeah. this. But it's also going to make you feel good and useful. I talked to so many agents that are like, I'm used to operating at 
you know, and I feel like I'm being capped at like 80% because there's nowhere mm. I can go. I can't go network. I can't go talk to other realtors or meet people for coffee. Um, and I'm like, this is a nice proactive way for you to be able to engage in a way that's not just a call, but it starts with the call. And I think that's super important. And also everyone listening, and I've probably said this on just about every episode. So I apologize for those that have heard it time and time again, but I think it's so important. The, your clients, your sphere of influence, your contacts, your database, they're not getting called by other people. No one is calling them. Their, their financial advisor is not calling. Their, their accountant's not calling. The attorney's not calling. And I don't mean necessarily real estate. I'm talking about professional service people. At least if it's any, anyone like, like myself as an example, I did not get phone calls from anybody. So just the, the, the fact that you can reach out and check in with somebody, as Rachel just said, will, they will be honored and thrilled that somebody is reaching out. Their friends are reaching out. Their work is reaching out. But there are these other services, and you are a service, um, you, know, you have this unique opportunity to, to do something to make maybe even at the very least, just people feel a little less alone right now. Right. And to your point, I'm getting like probably 20 emails a day from those services, but no phone calls. No phone and calls. Yeah. No phone calls. And I think email marketing is still great. I mean, you're a marketer, it's free. So yeah. why wouldn't you email people? I think that's a nice supplement, you know, have that monthly newsletter still go out. Sure. Maybe have market updates for particular neighborhoods. Do you have clients in Lincoln Square? Send them out just what's happening in Lincoln Square, you know, but follow that up or preempt it with a phone call that's not real estate related. They're still going to talk to you about real estate because if they're renting, they're seeing where the rates are right now. And they're also realizing that when I'm a renter, I have no options during a time like this, right? right. I have to pay that rent. If I own and I'm going through something like this, I could move back in with my parents and rent out my unit. I could get a, a roommate in that unit, right? To help me with mm -hmm. the bills, or I could sell it and take my losses. Those are three viable options that really a lot of sellers unfortunately do have to go through right now because maybe they're furloughed or they've been laid off. And so a lot of your renters are starting to see that. They're starting to think about that, right? And all those amenities, that sounded so great when they rented, they can't use any of them right now. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> they can't be I, in that pool or that gym, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always felt that amenities uh, don't get used anyway, but <laughs> in most cases, at most uh, you know, luxury uh, apartment buildings here in Chicago, um, they're cool and they look nice and they're shiny and fun. Uh, but right now, I think people are, are re you know, now they, they can't be utilized. Now maybe people are reevaluating what's important. Um, but I wanted to go back to farming. 